I really only just want to introduce to you something this morning, uh, something I'm, I'm really sensing God speak to me about. Uh, I haven't really felt him speak to me at this kind of level. Well, the last time was when, um, when I was actually in Pakistan and, and standing in Al-Qaeda territory, and I felt the Lord speak to me there uh, about the next season that God wants to bring me into. And uh, I felt him speak to me just recently in the same way. And uh, I want to just, just, re- just reflect back on a, on a, to something I've been preaching about, is, is the area of captivity. And it's different to uh, when people are in bondage. Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, the reason that one of, his mission on earth was to bring a vision or to, set, uh, to, 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 to give vision to those who are blind, to, to set it free those who are oppressed, and also to set it free those who are held captive. And the two are quite different. And uh, as a church, we've been very good at, at the whole deliverance ministry. But one of the things I'm really sensing in my heart, and the more I looked around, the more I see that people are in captivity more than we even realize. And even to start to search in my own heart and started to look into my own heart and had Pastor Mike ask me a few questions during the week. And I started to ask, start to reflect, actually, maybe I'm, uh, there are parts of my heart that I'm still in captivity. And I believe that is so. And uh, as I started to look around and started to see some of the churches, and yeah, there's some good flash churches out there, churches that are doing some great works. But actually on the inside, there are people that are hurting and people that are broken. There are people that uh, on the outside are looking good, but actually on the inside, they're defeated. They're defeated in the fact that there's no real sense of purpose in their life. They're defeated in the fact that they are, uh, there's relational problems, there's relational dysfunction, there is... They're defeated in the fact that they've got issues going on in the marriage. They're, ish, they're defeated in the fact that there's problems with the, with the family and there's relational difficulties. And, and I, was, I was reminded once more where, uh, where the Israelites were in Babylon in captivity. So the place of captivity for some, they excelled in power, like Daniel and, and Ezekiel and, uh, and Habakkuk. And there were those that sat by the, river of, by the rivers of Babylon and cried, or they wept. In other words, they came to church. They found a place of uh, refuge. They sung a few songs. They must have lifted their hands up in the air. But actually, the songs that they sung, they, even, uh, they, they, they sung songs of yesterday. They sung songs that in, in one way gave honor. They sung praise songs. And so on one hand, there was an expression, but on the inside, they were defeated. And uh, the more I looked around, the more I see people that we come to church and we can lift our hands uh, we can have a, an, a, a, a moment of blessing, but actually on the inside, many people are still defeated. And uh, my heart is this, uh, is that as the church, as we grow, that actually we grow in our heart and that we grow emotionally in, the, in, our, in our inner life, that we grow relationally. Because friends, I don't want to grow a big church, but actually have a whole amount of dysfunction going on in the midst of it. I felt God asked me an, a, a question yesterday, and um, just as I was mowing the lawns, and, and you don't have to answer it outwardly, but I'd love to ask you this question. How many people here today, you actually have a deep sense of purpose about your life? You know without a shadow of a doubt what you're called to do, and you've got a deep and a clear sense of purpose about your life. For many people, I would imagine that they don't. Yet they would come to church, they would lift their hands, they would they'd do... Uh, a lot of great things, but actually on the inside, many people struggle with the sense of destiny, struggle with the sense of purpose. For many people, they struggle, they're still, um, uh, on the inside, there is, there is captivity. They, they can't express themselves. There's, there's relational difficulties in the, in the marriage. There's relational difficulties with, uh, with their children. Uh, there's no sense of purpose. And, 
the more I, I started to think about it, the more I'm really feeling that God is wanting us to come and grow in this area as a church, to bring people out of captivity. Because it's God's plan for our life that we don't remain in internal captivity. Jesus uh, was talking uh, to, to, to some of the religious leaders. He, he was talking about the coming kingdom of God. And he said, he said many of you look for signs out there that here is the kingdom and, and there is the kingdom. But he goes on to say, he said, he, he said you're looking in the wrong places. Now, I, I believe this, that on, uh, there are signs that point that Jesus Christ is coming again. Even in our own lifetime, we have seen uh, things that have been that was prophesied in the Scripture come to pass in our lifetime. For example, um, Israel, where Israel became a nation again. This this was prophesied by prophets of old, and even in the New Testament uh, apostles, they saw it, but they never saw it. But yet we've seen it, and we're not believing. Even this year is the year of Jubilee for, for Israel. This year, 2017, is the 50th year that Israel has been rebirthed as a nation again. So you can look at signs and say, well, but a lot of people, we're just not even aware of these signs. What God, but God is doing something on the earth. And, but Jesus' response to them was this, that the kingdom of God is not necessarily out there. He said, but it was, it's within you. So when the kingdom of God is expanding, actually what he was talking about, I believe, is this. To a large degree, yes, it will be manifest and we'll see it in the, in the world around us. We'll see signs. But actually Jesus refers to, in this point, actually the kingdom of God is within us. In other words, I believe it is this. He's, he's actually talking about our inward life. So the Pharisees had everything going on the outside. Of, I mean, the same spirit will operate as it did then. It operates today. That people will come and we look religious on the outside, look righteous and holy, but actually on the inside there's war. On the inside there's bitterness. On the inside there's all these things. And we wonder why we're not walking in the fullness of what God has for us. My heart for us as a, as a church is this, and I, felt, I was, I was going to do it start next year, but you know the seasons of God are not confined by our dates, by some particular calendar. Actually, one of the things I'm believing right now as a church, uh, that yes, we will grow numerically, but more than that, what I'm believing for is actually that people, that all of us, including myself, will grow in our hearts because I believe that there are people here today, like just me, uh, in, in some respects we can think and we, we come to church and we do good, righteous things, but actually on the inside, well, there's still captivity. On the inside, there's still people, they still don't know what they're called to do, yet, yet they've been sitting in church for so many years. There's so many people I see in, in, around the place, they're transient in churches. All this, what, I, what I've just been feeling in my own heart, is actually there, there's an internal shift that needs to take place in our lives. And I believe that as we shift internally, you'll find that our marriages, our relationship with our kids will start to grow and develop. The relationships around us will start to, uh, start to become more healthy. And this is something that I really want to speak into over, the, over this next season. Uh, I mean, it's such a, uh, such a broad, uh, broad area, but actually relationships were designed by God. He said right from the start, it's not good for man to be alone. And if it was good for man to be alone, he just would have made it himself. And yet even as he brought Eve along, it, it wasn't just the two of them. Actually, there was so much more. God wanted a family. And it's relationships are what really give, I believe, value to life. The, the relationships that we form, it's, it's the relationships that we form and the nature of the relationships that we have in our life really give us what I believe this is a sense of purpose, and they also give us a sense of fulfillment. 
one of the things I'm believing for is this, is as we grow as a church, actually our internal life grows as well. And that we don't struggle with the same things that we've struggled with with so many, for so many years. We don't continue to have... I mean, there's always going to be issues within people, but actually not always... This, we don't have to live with the same issues. We should be able to, as Christians and as, as God's family, be progressing and moving forward in life. Moving forward in our internal life. Like Job said, he said, the righteous keep moving forward. Even in the midst of calamity, the righteous, people whose lives are right with God, people who have been made righteous, actually can keep moving forward. My question is this, is there forward momentum, is there spiritual motion in your life? Or is there an area, maybe more than one area, that is blocked or there's just no forward momentum? And my heart for you is this, and that in this season, that God will do a shift in our hearts. That God will transform, that God will show us the areas where we're in captivity in our own hearts and bring us forward, that, that our lives can be more fulfilled. I want to open up to you a, a scripture I felt God speak to me, and it's in John chapter 15, if we can just bring it up on the screen. John chapter 15, and again, I'm, not just, I'm only just going to introduce this to you today, and uh, we've got some great people I'll bring in to help uh, unpack this. John chapter 15, have you got that? John chapter 15. Have you got that up on our big screen? Let's keep it going. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Let's keep going. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, somebody say bear fruit. He takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Let's keep going. You, have already, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Let's keep going. Abide in me. Somebody say abide. abide. Say it again one more time. I abide. Abide in me, and I in you, as the, vine, as the branch cannot bear fruit, of itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Somebody say abide in me. Let's go to the next one. I am the vine. An interesting say he starts to repeat this. It's like, why is he repeating it? It's like he didn't all hear. But there's something, there's a reason why he repeats this. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Somebody say much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Keep going. If anyone does not abide in me, is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they, gather, and they gather them up and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Let's keep going. If you abide in me, somebody say abide, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. That sounds pretty good, huh? Yeah? Right, let's keep going. But this my Father, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. Somebody say much fruit. So that you'll be my disciples. Let's keep going. As the Father's loved me, I have loved you. Abide in my love. Somebody say, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Let's keep going. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy, somebody say, my joy. My joy shall remain in you, and that your joy shall be filled. I love that. That my joy should abide in you, and your joy should be full. All of this, he, he's coming, like this, that line there, all of these things, all those things that we just read about abiding in him, and I and you, and about being pruned, and all, all of these things accumulate in this, that his, his one desire is simply this, that I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you. In other words, it's not just going to be here one day and gone the next. Not here one day, it's going to be consistent in your life. And that your joy may be full. 
the more I started to meditate on this, I started to think, and, uh, and, and this is really one I, I just want to introduce to you today. Uh, I've told you these things that one translation says that my joy and delight may be in you and that your joy and gladness may be of full measure, complete and overflowing. For me, where I want to move in this church is that every person in this church, every committed member of this family, could say in their heart that I am complete in Christ, that actually I'm filled with joy, and that His joy remains in me. It's not just here one day and gone the next. And I started to unpack this a little bit further. I started to look at it in a different translation, and it says, these, another translation says this, these things I have spoken to you, that the, sh- that the simka may be in you, and the simka of you may be made shimlia. Essentially what he's saying is this, that it's interesting that in the English language, the English language, we're reading it in the English translation, but he says, he uses the word to make happy, or happy or gladness, but actually it's the wrong kind of translation. With all the English words that we have, actually what the true definition of what he was trying to say, what he's saying here, is not really encapsulated at all. It's almost like saying mana. If I said the word mana, most people who understand what mana is would know what that means. However, to try and find a collection of English words that encapsulate what we're trying to get across is very, very difficult. There's not, I, I don't believe there's too many English words that can accurately describe. It's interesting that, this, that the best translation that the writers could come up with was to make happy. And it's interesting that people everywhere are looking for something to make them happy. People are looking for all sorts of things to make them happy. People are in constant pursuit of happiness. Probably one of the reasons why some of you may be here today is because you're You want to be either happier or made happy in some part of your life. People look for things. People try and buy things. That's what the whole marketing, that's what the whole business world is made up of, of people buying things, exchanging value in order to fulfill something inside of it. I've studied business. I know what goes on. I know what they try to appeal to in people's hearts. But actually the whole point is people are wanting happiness. People are looking for a sense of fulfillment in their life. And they look to everything. But, but here Jesus says that my joy would abide in you. In other words, and, and this is what I want to unpack. It says that in many ways, happiness is not, or joy is not the accurate translation. In rabbinic sources, they say there's a, there's, a, there's a differentiation between rejoicing and the joy that, God's, that Jesus is talking about here. The rejoicing is where you... We can come to church, for example, where you can lift your hands and clap and have a good time. You can go to a party. You could go to a concert. You could go and listen to a comedian. And you could do something that makes you happy. You could go for a ride on your bike. You could do something. You could, there are things that you can do that you can rejoice over. But that, one of the things that you'll find is whenever you do something like that, you'll find that it goes. <laughs> and then you need something else again. And people everywhere are looking for a sense of happiness, looking for a sense of purpose, looking for a sense of fulfillment. And here it is. This is the answer right here. I'm going to unpack this a little bit for you. When a person, none of these things, whether you come and the pastor says, come on, lift up your hands and clap and make a joyful noise. It's not just, it's not emotional hype because some people, it's just about emotions. And their emotions will fluctuate whether the source of their joy is run out of fuel 
<laughs> or you run out of money or your emotions, you've had a bad day or a or not so good day, or something like that. Your joy is, and your sense of fulfillment is, is, is dwelling. But actually, the joy he's talking about here, shimka, is actually, the real translation is actually a deep sense of joy and uh, fulfillment that's deep in our heart. So friends, I can have a bad day, but yet it cannot, but yet it does not affect my sense of joy inside. I can have a bad day, I can have a, a difficult time, but yet, it does not rob me of the sense of significance or my sense of purpose. Why? Because there is, something, there is something else that is deep down inside of my heart. There is a joy that's in there. There's a peace. There's a sense of fulfillment that is in there because of something, some things that are specifically done. And if you choose to find your relationship, because what he's talking about here, he's, he's, he's using the, the, the metaphor of a vineyard. He's using the metaphor of relationships. You look at the words that he's using, abide. All of these things, he's, tra- he's creating a word picture. Like I said, I'm not going to unpack it all for you today, but I, I want to first of all introduce it to you. It's a far level, when, it, when a person has the joy that he's talking about here, is a far deeper level of spiritual or an internal satisfaction or fulfillment. How do we get this? I don't know about you, but one of the first things that I noticed in here was the whole idea of fruit. And when something is fruitful, again, he's using a metaphor He's using a word picture to describe something. So when I looked at the word fruit, when something has come to fruition or its fruit is there, one of the, uh, the meanings that we can take from that is actually its, its, its purpose has been fulfilled. When a tree has produced its fruit or whether a vine has produced its fruit, its purpose to a large degree has been fulfilled. Its purpose to a large degree has been fulfilled. So one of the questions I asked for myself is, do I have a sense that my, an internal sense that my purpose is being fulfilled, my purpose in life is being fulfilled? So there are many trees that they can, all they do is they, they're there, but they don't do anything. There's no fruit that's produced. There's no sense of purpose. There's no sense of fulfillment in their life. And so many people today, even in the church, I discover that they can come to church they can be there, but there's no sense of fulfillment. There's no sense of purpose in their heart. That's why I ask the question, how many people, you know without a shadow of a doubt that you have a deep sense of purpose and you can articulate what that purpose is and what the assignment is that God has for your life? It's a good question to ask people. One of the things that we find is that Jesus uses the metaphor of a, of a vine system. In other words, it's an ecosystem. And one of the things we discover is that within the plant system, there is a number of interconnected relationships. If one of those elements is out of place, everything is affected. If you, if, we've got some horticulturalists here, but you'll understand, people that, who are horticulturalists will understand that unless the, the ecosystem is balanced, unless the atmosphere is right, unless the soil is right, unless the vine is healthy, all of these things come together to make sure that a healthy plant is produced, that the, that the fruit that it's supposed to bring forth is produced. And so relationship is a key part of one, discovering purpose, and two, discovering fulfillment and joy inside of your life. And it's through relationships, it's a God-designed relationship, there's the internal thing in our, our, our internal life, 
And there's the relationships that are formed around us. Interesting, he used the word that, he uses the word abide, which refers to the nature of a relationship. So even in church, if you, uh, one of the things I look for is this. I look for the nature of relationship between people. I look at the, look for the relationship that, of, the, the, the nature of a relationship that someone has with God and also the nature of the relationship that somebody has with the people around them and the nature of the relationship they have with me. All of these things come together to unfold purpose and destiny. I can guarantee it. I promise you this. This is what Jesus is talking about. It. And one of the things I've reflected on and, and I've started to look back and, upon different people is that where their relationships, where people had superficial relationships or where the nature of their relationship was very transactional. One of the things that you'll find that they have in common is they don't really have a sense of purpose in their life and they don't have a sense of fulfillment. They don't have that sense of joy. They don't have that sense of peace. They don't have that sense, that deep sense of love and acceptance in their heart. And one of the things I looked at is even many churches, they have a transactional relationship going on. Transactional relationship is where it's basically we just here to scratch each other's back and we go away and that's the end of our relationship. Many marriages are like that. Many relationships with children is like that. And yet we wonder why, yet at the same time we can come and lift our hands, we can, we can do some righteous things, but on the inside things are not right. Relationships are not working. We're unsatisfied, we're disjointed in our life. One of the things I, can, I could guarantee for this, if that, if that is you, if you are in that position, one of the first places we should be looking at is in our own heart. The Bible says that in Proverbs 4, that guard, above all else, guard your heart because out of it flows every issue of life. Every issue. Every relationship. Your relationship with the Lord. Your relationship with me. The relationship in the church. The relationship one with another. Everything will flow out of what's going on in your internal life. Everything, your purpose, your sense of destiny will be directly connected to what's going on inside of your internal life, what's going on in here and what's going on in here. And it's my heart for you, for me as a pastor, my, one of the, the primary jobs that I see is to help you forge relationships, help you forge, find healing and find restoration, find a wholeness of heart so that your internal life is whole, that your internal life has grown, has moved forward, because when you do that, you'll find your relationships will also start to change. As your relationship starts to change, you'll find that your sense of fulfillment, your sense of purpose will start to unfold in your life. For me, right now, I am, I've got a sense of joy, but I can track it back to specific, the, the nature of the relationships that I have with particular people. Largely, it's with God, it's also with my wife, it's also with the people around me, and it's also with you. the nature of the relationship I have with you, the way that I see you, the way that I interact, the way that I hold you in my heart, every one of you. Actually, my purpose, my sense of destiny is connected to that. If I see you as a, a means to fulfill something, a desire in my heart, actually, that will affect the way that I relate to you. But I want to encourage you, and I want to affirm you this, that actually my heart is to see you Walk in that fullness of joy that Christ had. 
my heart, my purpose for you in, in this coming season is that you would discover the joy and the fullness of Jesus Christ in your life. And that his joy would be complete in you. His sense, his, his life, his, uh, that there will be an overflowing in your life. That there will be a sense of wholeness. That there will be a sense of healthiness inside of your life. That, there, that your life would become to a sense of purpose. My heart for you in this season, including myself, is this. Is that the Lord would speak and the Lord would help us deal with the areas of our own heart that are still in a place of captivity. Because if we can grow in here, our relationships are going to grow deeper. The nature of our relationships will grow deeper. As the nature of our relationships grow deeper, the church that God designed will become more towards what he actually designed it to be. We will find that as a family we will grow. We will become the city on a hill that people are looking for. The city on the hill that people are looking for is not these flashy lights. The city on the hill that people are looking for is people whose lives have been made whole, whose marriages have been whole, who've got a sense of joy that no one else can take away, that's not dependent on what they have or don't have. That the people around us, that people in the church would have a, a sense of purpose in their life. That when things go bad in life, they don't just up and quit. You'll find, and I believe this, that God is raising up a whole bunch of great people in this church. But it will be, it will be directly connected to how we function on the inside and how we start to relate better to one another. Jesus repeats a couple of things. He said, abide in me. And then he also says, love one another. Actually, they are different, but they are the same. So first of all, it's our connection with Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you haven't got a relationship with Jesus Christ, there's no way that you're going to discover a sense of purpose in your life without him. You'll look for things, but you won't find it unless you have a relationship with him. One of the first things we've got to do is cultivate the relationship. We've got to, first of all, make that connection with Jesus. Invite him into your heart. The second thing you've got to do is spend time cultivating that relationship. If relationship is not cultivated, if you don't cultivate the vine, if you, don't, if you leave it to its own accord, it won't, nothing, will, nothing will happen with it. In fact, it will just lie on the ground and be useless. You've got to cultivate. So for some people here today, maybe you're here and you've fallen away from the Lord. When was the last time you heard him speak into your heart? When was the last time you took time to come into his presence and just enjoy his presence? What about with the people around you? The, the second command God gave was to love one another. Love is not a transactional relationship. In today's world, we look at, you look at the way people relate. You look at marriages. You look at the way marriages are set. They, 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 marriage is, is ordained by God as a covenant relationship. Covenant relationship is a far deeper, stronger connection than of a transactional relationship. But if we treat each other, treat the person next to you, treat people in the house, at a low level of transactional relationship, you'll find that one, you'll never discover a sense of fulfillment in your life. You'll never discover the purpose that God has for your life. One of the, I was just reflecting, Kate, upon some of the young people that we had have grown up in the church. And I, was, I won't name them, but one of them, uh, the parent made a strong purpose in their heart to keep 
their child connected relationally to the life of the church. And as that child did that and served and, and loved the people, that person, that man started to grow. And in the process of relationship, in the process of keeping connected, in the process of keeping connected with the people, serving the people, that young man grew up to become a world leader in his own right. And I look back on my own relationship with people. And there were times, yes, I felt like I running away. There's there times, even as a pastor, if my relationship was transactional with you, I would have been here, I would have been long gone. <laughs> I tell you. But actually, my relationship with you is that of covenant. That's how I see you. I love you deeply. My heart is not to use you to fulfill anything in my heart. I'm here to see that you can experience that joy and that fulfillment that God has for your life. And if my relationship was uh, transactional, you'll see a lot of pastors, you'll find this, that they'll just go from one church to the next, the next opportunity, the next thing that... Friends, if you did that with your wife, that's covenant relationship, David. Yeah, if you treated your wife the same way. Oh, this is a, this is a better one over here. Ah, she's just giving me some, she's grating me a little bit. I'm not quite sure. I, I, actually, I don't like her attitude. Yeah, the kids are kind of, they're annoying me. <laughs> I mean, how many people have that? Of course we do. But why is it that you stay? Because you have covenant relationship and because you believe in your heart. Actually, our destinies are tied together. In the same way, Jesus is talking about the church. You love me, love one another. And one of the things I, I, I notice with people is this. when they, The thing is, we're going to have issues. There will be relational conflicts that emerge. They're going to happen. It's like a family. It does happen. There will be things I do. There will be things other people do. There will be times where you just feel in your heart, oh, this is just not for me. Friends, if I did that with my marriage, oh, this is kind of not for me. The result is, I'll never walk in fullness of relationship. I'll never experience the intimacy that God has for us. My kids, my kids will affect. My, my, my kids will, will, will grow up broken. But as a church, how, why do we treat the relationship any different? Some people, you come to church, we, we come and we do our thing, but then we go home, but there's no sense of covenant commitment one with another. And I believe one of the reasons behind that is this. There's still brokenness in our heart. When people are broken, when people are inside of their emotions, when people are in captivity in here or in here, you'll find that they struggle to build intimate relationships. The first sign of trouble, the first sign of difficulty, the first feeling of, oh, I'm not quite sure if this is for me or not, they're out of here. But then they'll also discover why there's no sense of fulfillment in their life. My decision to stay and walk and journey life with you is the very decision that will also give me a sense of fulfillment and purpose in life. It's the same thing with you. One of the things I looked at with some people. They're drawn out of church because things didn't go so good and they, we did, there was pain in the heart. They ended up bringing the kids out of church. Not only did their decision affect, or maybe it put a plaster on their lives just for now, but actually the decision of removing themselves ended up robbing the kids of their destiny as well. 
My encouragement to you to this is this. My heart is that we have healthy, life-giving relationships. Because within there, we will be the city on the hill that people are looking for. Hurt people hurt other people. Life-giving relationships come from emotional and internal wholeness. Where people have no real sense of purpose or fruit, it's likely also to be superficial, unhealthy, or misaligned relationships. Some try and solve it or fix it by shifting something exterior, end up changing location, changing churches, quitting their marriage. But external shifts don't really change your life. Internal hardship, what's energizing inside here, is really what will change out here. It's the internal life that we have with Christ. It's the internal relation, it's the relationships that we forge and form with people is what will give us the sense of wholeness and fulfillment in life. I love you guys. I love you as a church deeply. I love you like you're my own family. My heart for us as a church is as we move forward into this coming season, that you would be open enough to face whatever you need to face in your own heart, to face whatever blockages, even just be willing just to explore it. Just be willing to talk with somebody about it. Be willing to allow Christ to touch you. Allow, be willing to just do something about it. Because the effect of it will last for eternity. I had a conversation just during the week and um, my dad just talked to me about an issue in my own heart. My first response was, I can't really see it. But because you said it, because of the nature of the relationship we have, I'm going to explore that. And funny enough, within an hour, <laughs> he's got a way of doing that. As soon as you come away, you kind of start searching your heart and thinking, actually, no, there is an area. And then the more I thought about it, actually, the more I could see that it's affecting my relationship with my own heart and the people around me. And actually, it's probably like, quite likely to affect my destiny. But if I'm willing and brave enough to be transparent and be vulnerable, I know that God's grace will come in and touch my life. And it will affect not just me, but it will affect generations. It will affect my kids and my kids' kids. When I look back in my own family, the things that happened, the decisions that my grandparents made, either to be open or to be closed, made a big difference for where we are today. Why don't you just close your eyes and just bow your heads just where you are. To get to this place, it requires pruning. <laughs> so on one hand, you want a sense of purpose. On, that, on one hand, you want relationships to be made whole. On one hand, you want wholesome, you want healthy relationships with your family, with your, your spouse. But what it will take is is this. It takes an open heart, a humble heart to allow the Lord to come in and start to snip off those branches in your life that are overshadowing you. You have to go through a process. That process is not just one lay hand of a prayer. God, heal me from all these things. Make my marriage whole, make my wife good, make my kids good. 
It doesn't work like that. It works by this. It works by allowing Christ to come and prune the parts of our heart. And the way he often does that, is he'll do it in two ways, I believe. One, he'll speak to your own heart. And two, it'll come through the relationships we have with people. There's something about the relationships that we have with people that just brings to the surface these things in our heart. My heart for you today is that you would make that decision inside of your life, that you would be willing to commit to the process, that you would be willing to open up your heart in this season. Maybe it's with an authority figure, maybe it's with your dad, maybe it's with your mom, maybe it's with this, maybe it's whatever it is. In this season that God has for us, why don't you make a decision in your heart that you're going to stay connected. You're not just going to stay loosely connected, just come to church one day or come that you'll get involved in people's lives, that you'll be involved in the church, that you won't just take off, you won't just take a hike when feeling, you know, you're feeling the energy is not there, that you'll draw near and come into a place of covenant commitment. Friends, you may be here today, you never, you don't know Jesus, you've never invited him into your heart. I want to give you this opportunity right now. every eye closed, every head bowed. That you would make the decision to invite Jesus Christ into your heart. That you would take a step of faith and entrust your life to Jesus. After all, He is the true vine. He is the whole, He's the, he's the true giver of life. If you would make that decision today, to enter into a covenant relationship with Jesus. I promise you He will come and He will touch your life. I promise you. If that's you. You don't know Jesus. You've never invited Him into your life. Today you want to invite Jesus Christ into your life. Why don't you just lift your hand just where you are. Is there somebody here today you've never invited Jesus into your life? Why don't we just stand up on our feet? Let's all together stand up on our feet. Let's lift our hands to the great I am this morning. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the life that is found in you. We thank you, Lord, that you give us a sense of purpose, that our, our purpose comes from you. Fulfillment comes from you. Joy comes from you. Father, we ask today, Lord, that you would come into our hearts afresh. That you would come into the areas of captivity. That you would come into the areas of brokenness. Where there's dysfunctional relationships. Where there's broken relationships. I pray, Holy Spirit, that your wonderful presence would come and move in our lives. Move in our midst today. I thank you, Lord, for every family here. I thank you for every person, every household here. I pray right now, Lord, that your wonderful love, your wonderful presence would come and speak. Minister today in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for the destiny that you've placed in the heart of every person in this place. Every person. Lord, I pray that this would be a season where they would discover their sense of purpose. They'll discover a sense of meaning in their life today in Jesus' name. 
I thank you, Lord, that our greatest days are ahead. Lord, that you would raise us up as a church to be a city on a hill, to be the hope of the world. Lord, we give you all the honor and all the glory today in Jesus' name. We worship you this morning. Come on, let's just worship him, Lord. Some relationships, spend some time with some people, welcome somebody into your, into your life.